first guest today is Kyle Mann. He's the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee. It's a Christian news satire site that is taking the internet by storm. It has fact-checkers in shock and millions of people laughing every day, myself included. Kyle, thanks so much for coming on Takeaways. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, man, the, the Babylon Bee pokes fun at everybody. I mean, literally everybody, including myself. Why, why am I so popular with the bee? <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you, you get your fair share of bee headlines. You know, we like to we like to pick on Kirk Cameron. We like to pick on uh, on, on Kevin Sorbo. In fact, I think behind me here, I've got a uh, the Christian cinematic universe art. Uh, if anybody can see that, so that's all yes. of our uh, all the Christian movies coming together for the giant cinematic universe. That's aw- that, that's awesome. And so for some of you who are not familiar, um, here are just a few of the headlines that uh, these, these jokesters have written about me. Um, another actress accuses Kirk Cameron with treating her with respect. I loved that. I actually love that one. That, that one actually was, was quite a compliment. And this one's actually been shared close to a million times. That's been some great publicity for me. So thanks. I didn't even pay for that. Uh, another one is uh, new movie filtering service replaces every actor with Kirk Cameron. <laughs> so I guess, uh, I guess that's the way to clean up a film. Just have me play the good guy, the bad guy, and everybody else. And uh, Kirk Cameron to star in the new Jason Bourne film, Born Again. Of course. I mean, we could see that one coming. And uh, and then your Facebook cover photo. I mean, Kyle, Kyle what's happening? It was, was Mike Seaver your man crush? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to do the Christian cinematic universe, y- y- nobody else could star in it except for Kirk Cameron. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kyle, how did you come up with the name Babylon B? So the founder of the Babylon Bee, Adam Ford, came up with that on day one uh, when we launched the site. And it was uh, it was kind of this idea that as Christians, a lot of times it feels like we live in Babylon, you know. Mm. And that's only, that's only become increasingly true over the past several years. Uh, but it does feel like we're in exile, you know. And so we kind of thought of this idea of, you know, writing news for Christians, writing news for believers from this perspective that they're dispatches from exile, you know, <laughs> dispatches from Babylon. And it's this idea that, we, you know, the world is not our home and we just kind of comment on the crazy stuff uh, that happens here. Mm. Now, what were you doing before the Babylon Bee? How did you, how did you get there? It's kind of a, an interesting story and kind of a boring story. I was, you know, I was just in construction sales and uh, uh, I, I started emailing in headline submissions. And so my very first headline submission was uh, Holy Spirit unable to move through congregation as fog machine breaks. And uh, I, I emailed that in on the first day and, you know, the rest was history. So I eventually took over as the editor in chief. Oh, and, and the, the way that you all and your team at the Babylon Bee is able to have this sanctified sarcasm that is able to mock some of the silliness of modern Christianity and do it in such a way that ties in with, with popular culture is, is no easy task. So now that you've been there and, and, and you've become this professional um, mock machine of, of things that are worthy of mocking, how has that shaped your actual faith in Jesus? I mean, I mean, is he still precious to you or is he a punchline? Yeah, that's a real danger, right? I mean, C.S. Lewis even said that he didn't like writing the screw tape letters um, because it made him really? think like a demon, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, he, he had this, uh, you know, he, he would respond to fan mail and said something like, I don't want to write another word uh, uh, in the voice of Screwtape because it makes me... Mm. It makes me think like a demon as I'm mocking things, you know. And and obviously, the Screw Tape Letters is this book that that is very powerful in satirizing the ways that we fall victim to sin and temptation. But at the same time, you got to be careful as a satirist. You know, you want to deconstruct things, but you want to deconstruct targets that are worthy of deconstruction. You don't want to get so cynical about everything that faith itself uh, becomes the punchline. So that's definitely like a spiritual struggle and that we want to keep all of our writers thinking in terms of, um, you know, what's a worthy target to be mocked? What's something that's light and silly and fun that we can mock without actually making God or the Bible or Christ the punchline? Because we want to point people uh, to those things. Yeah, I think that's got to be particularly challenging. Now, again, for those of you who are not really familiar with the Babylon Bee, uh, you, you need to be because it's hilarious. And, and understand that, that these are articles that are presented as legitimate news articles, but they're, they're, they're satire. And so they're based on exaggeration or they're based on irony. And um, uh, they're, they're just fantastic because they make a point in a very unique way. Um, Kyle, why do you think the Babylon Bee has made such an impact? Yeah, well, you kind of hit the nail on the head there that it is such a powerful way of communicating, right? Because anytime you have a political controversy, uh, something that everybody's talking about, any kind of news firestorm, you're going to have a hundred different think pieces, articles, op-eds on the subject. And after a while, it all starts to kind of blur together and blend together in your newsfeed. But when we can write something that's both just funny um, in a vacuum, you know, it's just funny by itself, and at the same time makes a, a point about a biblical worldview, um, it's a way to kind of slip in under the door. Um, I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said that um, humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. And that's just kind of that's kind of our right. mantra in a lot of ways is that we can really cut through a lot of the noise using that biting, uh, biting satire. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, when I think of the culture that we're living in today and the topics in the news, has the woke movement just been God's gift to the Babylon Bee? <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean. You know, people ask me, like, is it just so easy to do your job in, t- in the current year, in 2022 <laughs> or whatever, because they're doing all the work for you, you know, and that's true. But at the same time, it's so hard to write jokes that haven't come true. Um, you know, <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to satirize uh, a woke movement that is almost self-parodying in so many ways that, uh, you know, we try to think of ideas of things that are, that are just so crazy that there's no way they could possibly have done it. You know, and then we'll Google it, and sure enough, we can't tell that joke because it's a real news story already. A few years ago, we had a yeah, joke that it was, right. you know, that, that a, a bigoted teacher said, you know, two plus two equals four. And now that's like a legitimate debate in the classroom. Is, is, math, uh, is math offensive and is math bigoted? <laughs> yeah, a- a- absolutely crazy. Kyle, f- help us understand, what, what do we mean when we talk about the woke movement? Ultimately, it boils down to this oppressor versus oppressed paradigm. Um, You know, they see everything in terms of, do you have power and are you wielding that power to oppress people or are you powerless? Are you marginalized? Um, Which means that the woke movement turns into this very graceless, um, very unforgiving culture uh, where people are desperately climbing over each other to be in the oppressed group. 
Um, they're fighting for identity labels to make them the good guy um, and make them seem like they're virtuous because they are. They have these different uh, intersections of identity uh, that make them oppressed. Um, and so it is really this. It is really a very uh, miserable movement to be a part of. Um, and you, ju- you can just see that observing from the outside is that you can never be content um, with what God has done for you. You can never be content with your, um, with your life because you're always, wor- you're always thinking and dwelling on what people have done to wrong you and not instead saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to thank God for what I have and I'm going to do everything in my power to work hard. Um, it, you, you can only blame other people for your problems. So that's at the heart of it. And then that touches all different areas from gender and race to uh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like a miserable, miserable way to live. Uh, and, and I'm so, so glad that we don't see the world that way. Do you have on your wall of uh, satire, headlines, Hall of Fame, your favorite headline <laughs> or at least a collection of the top I, well, couple? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any writer will tell you that like whatever they're currently working on or whatever they last kicked out the, out the door is is their favorite headline. Uh, for me, I really liked during the pandemic, we did one saying that the celebrities all spelled out, uh, we're all in this together with their yachts off the co- uh, coast of Malibu. You know, we had this great little Photoshop of it. And that was just one yeah. that was great because that was kind of the angst that everybody was feeling. And we were able to give voice to it with funny visual humor and a, and a headline that a lot of people thought was real. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I, I so appreciate this, this form of humor. Um, your social media uh, caught the attention of... Uh, many well-known celebrities and uh, influencers. Um, some really recently, uh, can, can you think of any? Have you, have you got any, any fun stories to share with us about that? Yeah, well, even that, that article that I just uh, mentioned, the one with the yachts, we made fun of Patton Oswalt in that article, and then he went and shared the, shared the joke um, and kind of took it, you know, he took it in a really good-natured way, so that was a lot of fun. You know, we, get, um, we got Elon Musk commenting on our headlines a lot. We I ended up getting to interview him. Um, so it, it's kind of really interesting to us. And we've, we're really humbled to, you know, have that opportunity and platform that uh, we absolutely don't feel like we deserve a lot of the time. We're just guys goofing around and telling jokes. Uh, you were talking a little bit earlier about having headlines that seem so outlandish until you find out that they're actually coming true. And I remember somebody sent me an article one time and there was a particular politician and, and she was just ranting and going on and on and on about something. And I thought it was real. And I had to go back and look and say, oh, wait a minute, this is the Babylon Bee. This, I, I, but I, would, I wouldn't put it past this person. And, and, and that was just perfect. I mean, you, you had captured the essence of this individual and just taken it to its extreme end. And, and yet it's gotta, it's gotta become harder and harder because the extreme end is becoming the normal now. Can you think of any other examples of articles that don't really come off as funny because they're true now? <laughs> yeah, we, we've published a few lists on our site where we say, here are the 10 most recent fulfilled prophecies uh, <laughs> by the Babylon Bee. And uh, of course, we're not claiming any kind of modern day uh, gift of prophecy for ourselves. No. But we are, uh, we do see this, we do see this element where it, as a satirist, that is your job is to take real life 
and to just take it one step further. So, of course, you know, especially with the progressive movement, their whole thing is to go one step further the next day um, and to progress things to the next level. They're always having to escalate. That's their entire worldview. And so they're always going to be fulfilling that. You know, I, I can think of one uh, one example where we said that the rioters uh, last summer um, or two summers ago, we said the, the rioters uh, were nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. And then sure enough, that happened uh, four or five <laughs> months later. Oh, my was, goodness. Uh, which was crazy to us, yeah. When, when you're deciding which articles to publish and, and not publish or, or which jokes are worthy, is there like a writer's table where you guys sit around eating Chinese food at 2 o'clock in the morning like we did when uh, Growing Pains was being written? And, uh, hey, that, that joke's funny. No, that joke crosses the line. Is there an approval process? How does somebody submit an idea for the Babylon Bee? Yeah. Yeah. We have a writer's room. Uh, we meet regularly and we also have a lot of people that contribute uh, via an online chat, uh, a chat room that we talk through. So we have kind of a group chat going where people are just constantly churning out ideas. You know, when you write comedy, and as you probably well know, when you write comedy, you write a lot of waste. You know, we write a lot of jokes that don't end up getting published. So we'll, we'll pitch hundreds and hundreds of ideas you know, but we only published a, a few ideas a week or a few dozen ideas a week. So there, there is a, a large cutting room floor of jokes that don't make the cut uh, for whatever reason. And there's a lot of iteration. You know, you come up with one idea and it snowballs into another idea and everybody's collaborating to try to make it the best possible uh, joke and headline that it can be. When we come back, Kyle, I want to talk with you more about the approach to satire that the Babylon Bee takes and the importance of comedy in today's world. We're back with Editor-in-Chief of the Babylon Bee, Kyle Mann. So, so Kyle, what is the, the mission statement, if you will, of the Babylon Bee? Is this purely entertainment, trying to make people laugh? Or are you trying to shine a light on something and educate people? Or maybe a little of both? Yeah, it, it's definitely a little of both. I mean, I would say the mission statement of the Babylon Bee that we've kind of, um, that has kind of crystallized through the years has been that we're trying to use humor to communicate truth to a post-truth culture. So that's going to that's gonna touch a lot of areas because we're going to end up doing some political jokes, some current events. But it also means that we're going to be doing some jokes that are just more lighthearted. You know, we're going to be doing some jokes that are just going to point to the everyday wonder and everyday humor that, uh, that God has kind of infused throughout our lives. So jokes about husbands and wives, jokes about the silly things we do at church, those are all good things that kind of can help kind of take us out of the insane uh, angst that we can feel when we're watching uh, the news and, and uh, kind of consuming the 24-7 news cycle. So we communicate truth in that, um, but a lot of things also are just going to make us laugh, you know, and I think that's also a good thing in and of itself. Comedy is such an interesting space to work in, and, and having been on a sitcom for six, seven years uh, when I was a kid, I remember that there was always a concern with the writers that sometimes a joke might cross a line. 
And I remember one time there was a joke where uh, my character, Mike, came in and said, Dad, I know what I want to do for a living. And he said, what's that, son? And I said, I want to be a chiropractor. And he said, son, I, I just had such higher hopes for you than spending your life hugging men who have thrown their backs out. And we got a flurry of emails from, from the chiropractic associations across the nation, and they regretted saying that joke, and they had to do a retraction, and they did a whole new episode where um, you know somebody threw their back out, and someone said, do you want me to call a medical doctor? And they, he, he says, no. He says, get me my chiropractor. And all of a sudden, there was this backpedaling. Has there ever been an article that you have published that you regretted or had unintentional consequences? Yeah, for sure. I mean... The thing is with jokes is that you, you kind of do have to step over a certain line because you do have to surprise people. You know, if you're only ever going to make jokes in the same kind of safe square of, uh, of available content, then people are going to just be – just know what to expect. And what makes a joke work is that you kind of do the unexpected. Now, at the same time, you know, we're believers and we don't want to cross certain lines – um, even for the sake of a joke, you know, we don't want to we don't want to make people think that the target of a joke is God or the Bible or or anything like that. We want to make fun of the misperceptions uh, that we modern American Christians have about those things and the ways that we fail um, and, are, and sometimes are hypocrites with our faith uh, with those things. So we, we make fun of those, but we try not to kind of cross that other line where your actual punchline of the joke is God or the Bible. Now, in terms of jo uh, jokes that we've you know, regretted or, or felt bad about after. There's definitely things that we look at later and we go, you know, we stand by that joke. However, I'm not sure that the blowback uh, was worth the point we were trying to make. Um, and sometimes if your joke is just a little too nasty or it's a little too over that line, then you're going to end up kind of overshadowing your point and the joke isn't going to land as well uh, because you've kind of, you, you've kind of gone a, a little too far. That, that's a good point. What do you say to those who accuse the Babylon Bee of spreading misinformation? <laughs> yeah, people like the New York Times have accused us of that as well as... Uh, the fact checkers CNN. come out and say, eh, 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 misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> That's so kind of joke point, that there right? <laughs> We kind of joke that there is a that there is a red uh siren up on the wall at Facebook headquarters and whenever we publish an article it starts blaring, you know, and they uh and they <laughs> <laughs> try to suppress it. Uh yeah, I mean it, it's so crazy because left-wing satire and secular satire has been out there for so long um and people have always mistaken satire for real life. And there was never really this blowback from media and big tech and fact checkers. And that's only been since there is a fairly conservative Christian site like the Babylon Bee that all of a sudden misinformation becomes a concern for them. You know, people still think that Sarah Palin said that she could see Russia from her house uh, because there was a Saturday Night Live sketch that, that said that. Um, and you never, you didn't get the fact checkers super worried over the spread of misinformation for a joke right. like that. So right. it does feel like uh, it does feel like they're, they're they target us because of our political and religious views. You know, we we could all just be straightforward <clears throat> and not try to be funny about anything. Why do you believe that satire has such an important place in today's culture? Yeah, I think satire is super important because it does help us kind of question the uh, assumptions that we have about society, our government, what's important, God, the way we do church. Satire is a cutting tool. You know, it helps us cut away the traditions 
and the man-made things that kind of build up over and around our beliefs. So whether that's, you know, our, our political beliefs or our religious beliefs, you know, there's, it's so easy for us to take uh, the way that we do church and kind of add that onto the gospel and say that this is part and parcel of the good news. And so for us to be able to kind of cut away those things and make people laugh about our specific religious traditions, and then we can, uh, th that helps us to be able to point people towards uh, the gospel and things that are important. So I, I do think satire is very important for any society. And once the comedians start getting threatened by cancel culture or censors, you're in a really bad place as a culture, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And um, Kyle, I'm going to ask you a question. And I had asked Seth Dillon this question as well, and I'd love to get your reaction. And I think it kind of caught him off guard because I was telling him, uh, as I'm telling you, how huge of a fan I am of the Babylon Bee. And, and yet I was kind of bummed by one of the articles. I mean, I'm, I'm usually the one who's laughing the hardest at the Kirk Cameron jokes. And uh, I was kind of bummed out at one of them because I just felt like it, it, it kind of veered into an area that I thought I was like, oh, bro, like, you know, Make, make, make fun of stuff that's a, a worthy target. But let, let, here's, here's the article title. It was called, Lost Kirk Cameron Wanders Across the Set of Good Movie. And I, and I, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh. And, and then it just went on. And I mean, that, that was just the beginning, right? It was just like, I was trying to, trying to act legitimate on the set of a good movie. And I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you this question because I know that your humor is good natured and, uh, how, though, do you keep from getting into uh, a quality that can be, because satire can become mean. Satire can become condescending. Satire can take a shot below the belt, and, and those cheap shots can sometimes have the opposite effect than what was intended. How do you stay away from that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who wrote it over there, but uh, that was the that only That was me, time man. I... That, uh, I fess up. That was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Hey, this is good to know. Boy, this is it. The plot yeah. thickens. This is good information. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, a joke like that, it's like we, we are still writing from this perspective and mindset that, like, we're a couple of guys in our garages making jokes, and right. you never really realize you know, how far these things are going to go. And that like, I never imagined that you would ever see that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there is That's this, there is this kind of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is this kind of dehumanizing element, right? That you have to be really careful with because you start to make jokes about different people and then you, and they, you know, and it is a caricature. And I think people get that it's supposed to be this caricature and you're not, you're not actually saying what you're saying Yeah. Um, right. in a lot of ways with satire. Um, you know, you're making an exaggeration, but you, yeah, you really don't think about the human element a lot of the time. And you kind of worry like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we can slip too much into that. I also think very early on the Babylon Bee, you know, we made fun of Christian movies so much. Um, and then, and then more recently, as you kind of see how the woke movement has taken over Hollywood and, you know, we've kind of come around on that to the point where I'm like, even if a Christian movie is more low budget or cheesy or, you know, whatever, whatever the criticisms are. It's like I'd, I'd rather have my kids watch something like that than a, than a woke Disney movie that's telling them uh, that's filling their heads with with nonsense, you know. So, yeah. hey, let me ask you this: Someone once said that they, that they found that that there's maybe even sarcasm in the Bible. Maybe maybe God in the writing of Holy Scripture has used a bit of satire or, or sarcasm. Uh, what do you think about First Kings eighteen twenty seven that says, "And at noon Elijah mocked them." 
saying, cry aloud for uh, he's a God. Either he's, uh, he's musing or he's relieving himself or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. What, what do you think? Is that, is that possible? That's a fantastic uh, bit of satire there used by Elijah with the, uh, the prophets of Baal. Yeah, he says, you know, is your God... Uh, over in the porta potty, um, you know that's just a wonderful, <laughs> that's just a wonderful cutting uh, bit of satire. And you notice, like Elijah's not, um, he's he's not engaging them in a debate. You know, he's not engaging them in an apologetic debate, one versus one. Let's uh, let's figure out who the real God is. He just mocks them, um, and I think that's that's a great example. Also, uh, in the book of Isaiah. You know, it talks about the idol carver and how the idol carver goes out and carves a piece of wood. And what if he act? And he uses half of it for an idol as his god, and he uses half of it to burn for firewood, you know. And he says, "How does he know that he didn't um, make a mistake? And he's accidentally worshiping firewood and burning his god, you know?" <laughs> and what a great, what a great bit of humor, you know, that as Isaiah is delivering the word of the Lord, and you see that throughout Scripture, God has definitely given us uh, humor as almost a prophetic gift, in that it can really speak to us in a way that straight speech often can't. When is it okay to offend people? Yeah, um, well, in a lot of ways, offense is like in the, um, it says more about the person who's being offended a lot of times than the, you know, allegedly offensive statement or joke. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I'd be surprised, just like you guys offended the, the chiropractor association or whatever. Um, right. <laughs> you're often surprised over who is upset at That's your joke. And you're like, wow, I didn't even think of that as being offensive at all. Um, and so I think, I think that satire acts as kind of this mirror in a lot of ways. You know, it's almost a funhouse mirror in that it exaggerates our features and it, and it kind of makes this caricature of us. And if you get really offended at that, yeah, maybe the joke's too far. Maybe the joke's too offensive. But on the other hand, maybe that's something that you are insecure about. You know, maybe that's something, maybe that's an area that you really need to start thinking about. And, and you know, if you protest too much, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's something on your end as well. That's right. Maybe instead of being uh, a little hurt by that, by that caption that you had published, maybe I just need to make better movies. I think I think that's I, the, I that. think that's the takeaway here, Kirk. You need to make better movies. Uh, actually, I've got one coming up that I think you're really going to love. As a culture, we've become so super sensitive that it's uh, it's a badge of honor to be a victim and to have your feelings hurt, and 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 that seems to work for people. But at the end of the day, that's a terrible strategy. How can we have thicker skin if someone's getting hurt and upset by by satire, by irony, uh, by sarcasm? Uh, how can we have thicker skin and be healthier that way? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely the first step is to be able to laugh at yourself. And I think you do see this progression with the Babylon Bee where, you know, we did our very first target was ourselves. You know, we made fun of we made fun of Christian culture. We made fun of little things that we would do in the home and church, you know, and I think that that is key to just hold yourself lightly. Don't take yourself so seriously. You know, if you're somebody who just constantly takes themselves seriously, you're going to be a humorless person in life. You're not going to be able to laugh at yourself. You're not going to be able to laugh at other kinds of jokes because you take yourself that way. I do think there is something to progressive politics um, that makes those people unable to laugh at themselves because, you know, they don't have the gospel. Um, people that believe uh, a humanistic worldview, uh, they take themselves very seriously because to them, their politics are salvation. 
you know, their politics are the way that we are going to save the world. And so to laugh at them is just like laughing at their religion, you know. So in a lot of ways, they come off like the old kind of stereotype of a fundamentalist believer who's very serious, self, uh, self-serious and unable to laugh at themselves. So definitely we need to take ourselves less seriously and put more importance on the things that are truly important. And I think that's the first step to, uh, to, to having more humor as a culture. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.